Welcome to the GeoMob Podcast, where we discuss geo-innovation in any and all forms, whether for fun or profit. Welcome to another GeoMob Podcast, almost the last podcast of the year, in fact. This morning, I'm joined by Nick Beerman and Kevin Williams. Uh, Nick is a freelance GIS trainer, a consultant, and a visiting research fellow at UCL. He's also, and probably more relevantly for this morning, the chair of OSGO UK. Kevin is the lead product manager for Datamat Wales and has been a member of the data and geography team for some years and has spent nearly 40 years in the public sector. So he's a long-standing AGI Kimru steering group member, He's been involved in OSGO in Wales, and he's an all-round good guy. Um, and I've known him for a long time as we discovered and have spent many, several hours, not many hours, several hours drinking beers together and talking geo. So at the start of the COVID pandemic, um, the OSGO UK team hosted an online phosphagy when only online events were around and they were pretty novel and I gave the closing keynote to that event and I talked about how events might evolve and I posited the possibility of some kind of a hybrid event. I'm not sure that I really knew what a hybrid event was. It was sort of going to be online and live at the same time Um, and two years later the OSGO UK team, under Nick's leadership, have created the first hybrid phosphagy event. And today, I want them to talk a little bit about this and for us to understand what's involved in organising an event that's in multiple locations, it's online, it's in real life. Um, so, first of all, Nick and Kevin, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Hello. Stephen. Great to be here. Yeah. Good. And I think before we actually start talking about the event, Nick, could you just talk a little bit about OSGO and OSGO UK and remind our listeners if they don't know what OSGO is about? Certainly. So OSGO is the Open Source Geospatial Foundation and support uh, global adoption of geospatial technology. Uh, and they uh, support open software as well. Open is key to, to what they do. And they're a, a global organization, and they run the global phosphor conferences. Um, we are OSGO UK, so we're what we call the local chapter. So we represent OSGO in the UK uh, and do UK-related things related to open source geospatial. Uh, the key one of these is running Phosphagy UK, uh, the conference we're here to chat a bit about today. Okay, so let's get to the conference, Nick. Um, tell us what was what actually happened. It was November the 17th, wasn't it? I was away in a different time zone and couldn't join in. So tell us what happened, what was, what was going on. Yeah, so we had uh, one day and we had nine different venues where we got together and we had some great keynote presentations. So we had uh, Tim Sutton from QGIS, Anita Grasher and Regina Obi, uh 
all giving really interesting presentations and we streamed those presentations. So we uh, had a Jitsi call with them on and streamed those presentations to our nine venues. And so we had these nine venues across the UK um, and each venue also had a series of local presentations. So these were done in person in each of those nine venues. So we had a great selection of different presentations, over 30 in total. And most of those were recorded and some of them were also streamed. So we had some people joining us online as well. Right. And so if I was in, and I know um, Kev's going to talk about the Cardiff event in a minute, but um, if I was in Cardiff, for example, would I only hear the events, the, the talks that were going on in Cardiff, or could I hear a talk that was going on in, in London online? Uh, you, you had the option, and in, in a couple of venues I know they had multiple rooms, so you could either listen to the local sessions or you could listen to another session in a different room. I was actually based in Southampton, and a, a couple of enterprising people uh, pulled out their laptops, headphones, found a quiet corner and listened to a different presentation elsewhere for one of the sessions. So there's flexibility to do both. Brilliant. Um, so how many people came to the event? So we had 246 uh, in person across the, the nine venues and we think about 50 online. So uh, nearly 300 people in total, which I, I think was amazing for this type of event. So that's 20, 30, maybe 40 people in each venue. Yeah. Nice, nice. Um, 50, we had 50 in Cardiff. Wow, 50 <laughs> in Cardiff, wow. Yeah. Um, and how does that compare to previous events? I mean, the last Phosphagy event, we can't count the last online event because that was purely online there were no other events, you know, and the numbers were crazy for that. I think we had nearly, we had nearly a thousand people registered, and we reckon we had six, seven hundred people attending through the day. But that was purely online, and there were people from all around the world attending that. How does it compare to the in-person events that we've had in the UK? Uh, typically, previous kind of UK in-person ones have been a hundred, hundred and fifty, something like that. Um, so we, we've doubled that, possibly slightly over doubled that. So um, and that was one of the things that we really wanted to achieve with this is to get as many people along as possible and give them the, the kind of uh, in-person experience as well. Because so far, you know, I've been to various hybrid conferences and the remote element is really difficult to do all the networking and discussions and all that kind of stuff. So we wanted to try and get as many people give that give as many people that experience as possible i love this i love this idea um yeah having been a conference organizer numerous times from a massive global phosphagy to a couple of the uk phosphagies i love this idea because i'm guessing that the venues what kind of venues did you have kev describe the kind of venues that you had well we have our venue was uh quite a big hotel in the middle of Cardiff. Um, it was good. It was right in the city centre. It was easy to get to. Parking was easy, you know, and um, seemed to be everybody turned up on time. Um, we, I had a slight hiccup in the hotel that the reception was sending delegates to the wrong conference. I think it was a social services <laughs> conference. So they sat there for a while wondering what was going on. Uh, but uh, And it was Beaujolais Day, of course. 
So there were a few parties in the hotel a little bit loud. Um, that didn't help much. We had about 50 register, and I think not many didn't turn up. I think uh, less than 10, really, because there were a couple of COVID cases and the weather was, was awful as well. So that might have put a couple of people off. And they did travel quite a way uh, in Wales, so from mid-Wales and beyond Wales, actually. Some came from over the bridge as well. Um, uh, we had superb sponsors, obviously Environment Systems and CGI, who sponsored our drinks. It was really good. Um, yeah, we had lots of. Um, like, do you want me to go into the day, or do no, you want we'll me? Go into yeah, the, go into we'll that go into later that. on. Yeah, yeah. The venue was good. Yeah, yeah. So Nick, describe some of the other venues. Yeah, so we had a, a real mixture. It was uh, often what, what people could organise and what was available. So in Bristol, we had a, a venue called The Shed, which was a, a great uh, conference space just next to Bristol Temple Meads Railway Station. So really easy to mm-hmm. get to. Uh, Glasgow Glasgow University uh, gave us a couple of rooms for, for their conference. So I think uh, for one of the sessions, I actually had the Senate room, which was quite a fancy setup for, for there. Um, for a group in Keyworth, uh, the British Geological Survey were hosting that, so they had a couple of their meeting rooms. Um, and Leeds and London were other conference spaces as well. And we also had the Ordnance Survey at Southampton. So quite a lot of the rooms were donated rather than having to be funded by sponsors. Yeah. Um, that's really cool because it, it means that there's much less travelling as well. Yeah. And, you know, in our discussions, that was one of the things as well as, you know, being more accessible to people. We also wanted to, you know, can we lower our carbon footprint? And by, you know, people only needing to travel a, a relatively short distance, that has a, a great environmental impact as well. And I think that's probably one of the reasons you've got so many, mu- such bigger number. Because yes. uh, people don't have to travel. They don't, you know, if you have an event in London... Lots of people to come to an event in London need to take a day out, a night out, I mean, you know, beforehand to get to it. You know, it's great. So before we, I wanted to talk about sponsors for a minute because um, nobody can run a free event without sponsors. Um, So who, who was sponsoring this? Tell me about the sponsors a bit. Without listing every single name. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so the, the sponsors were key to this and we, we actually had 19 different organisations overall sponsoring various different bits. Um, uh, so we had 13 what we call local sponsors. So these are people who donated rooms or paid for catering or that sort of thing at each of the venues. Uh, and then we also had six national sponsors. So they uh, donated some more cash to allow us to kind of fill in the gaps for where we had extra bills that we needed to pay. So we had a real mixture. We had public sector, we had private sector, we had uh, universities as well, um, NGOs as well. So a real uh, selection of different people. And you made money. Yes, yes. Uh, the We asked for, as well as the sponsorships, we asked for attendees to donate. So we suggested a £20 donation as an attendance fee for a, for a ticket, but you know, more if you could donate, more or less if you couldn't, either to Map Action for support the work they do or to OSGO UK uh, to help us fund our open source geospatial software funding initiative. And uh, we probably ended up with a a profit is not really the right word but a surplus I suppose of about three and a half thousand pounds in the end so that that was fantastic 
That is fantastic. And that's the second time we've done that. Um, sponsored Map Action and OSGO UK. Um, it's a nice combination. Kev, Kev, you wanted to... Yeah, it was important, I think, for us that our sponsors at least had something to do with Wales. Um, so we had a, um, a very generous sponsor, Environment Systems, who are based in Aberystwyth, and uh, CGI, who we worked with on uh, our projects as well in Wales. So I thought that was important. And uh, and as well as being main sponsors, they had speakers as well. So that was that, you know, that, that was really good for us um, and very good quality speakers too. So how many talks did you have in Cardiff, Kev? Ooh, Actually, uh, in Cardiff. Good about. question. I think uh, Nick it was about six. I think wasn't it something like that? Yeah. yeah. So also, I guess um, if you've got nine venues and you have five or six live speakers in each venue, that gives you quite a lot of slots to enable people to speak, and that in itself is a good thing because it brings out new speakers and standing in front of an audience of 30 or 40 is a lot less intimidating than being in a big space in front of two or 300, let alone a thousand at a big phosphagy. Yeah. And we, we had about 35 across the board uh, and all sorts of different presentations. You know, we had uh, some great stuff on um, Dorset Council and uh, looking at routes to schools for school children and distances. We had a couple of workshops on DWR. Uh, we had quite a lot of open source related stuff. So how to get a good response on the Stack Exchange and lots and lots of demos of people who've been using open source tools. So. I think practically all the sponsors did a presentation and they showed us some of the cool stuff they were doing with open source. Great. And the conference isn't a conference without a little bit of social activity. And the problem with an online conference is that it's really difficult to do social well online. You know, I know when we had the big phosphagy in Buenos Aires and we tried to have a party afterwards. We did, but... It's not easy. So, but you had proper parties, didn't you, Kev? <laughs> we did. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we did. We had um, a drink sponsor, and I think it really did add something to the day. Um, people got together in the pub, and we had about thirty, which is quite a high number considering uh, you know out of fifty, you don't get that many uh, carry on to the pub, especially if it's a bit of a walk. Um, and because these people knew each other, there was a very strong geospatial community in Wales. Um, getting together after the pandemic was was, was awesome. Um, and students mixed with the pros and had career advice. And there was so much to catch up on in the project. So it was fantastic. And basically, we stayed there all night until the band came on. Um, so it was quite, it was quite a night, really. Great. <laughs> yeah. um, and was there a social event after in every one of the regions, Nick? Uh, the, the vast majority of them, yes. So um, right. in Southampton, a group of us went to the, the pub next door, and I know the, the Bristol crowd did as well, uh, and the Glasgow crowd did too. Uh, so we, we wanted to encourage the local organisers to do that. And we also uh, ensured we had reasonable length lunch breaks as well. So lunch was provided at all the venues. And we, we you know, in the opening bit, I explicitly said, make the most of these social uh, opportunities. Uh, and, you know, and if you're a student, go and talk to some of the 
professionals in the workplace you know you might get some useful hints and tips you might even get an interview i don't know whether anybody did it would be fun to know if anybody did (laughs) well i think it's a great thing if you can do that i know that at the last geomob in london um which i wasn't at um a student came along to that and reached out to Ed Freifogel saying that she was looking for an internship when she finished her her degree. And he introduced her to me and I introduced her to somebody else. And sure enough, she's got an internship with one of the companies who was actually at the event. So, um, you know, that is a great thing that we can do is to use our context to help, contacts to help students, you know, and, um, and you're quite right to encourage them that they need to step up and say, look, this is what I want to do. I'm looking for an opportunity because um, we all want to hire them and we need to help these students to get into their first jobs. So great. Well done. Um, so what lessons did you learn from this event? So kind of thinking about it from the the national point of view uh there was a lot of coordination going on and nine venues was probably a bit too many really i think we probably could have reached as many people with fewer venues which would have made our life a bit easier um so next time we'll probably use a, a smaller number of venues uh and the the tech gave us some problems uh particularly for the streaming from the local venues it got quite complicated with in-room audio and online audio and getting all that to to talk to each other. Um, There are a couple of venues that had very good audio support and that worked really well, Uh, but there are some of the venues didn't and we struggled with that. Um, So next time round, we need to pay more attention to that. You know, we might even need to get a kind of full spon- AV sponsor to help us manage that. Right. Um, so if anybody's listening is interested, let us know. So was that hardware or was it the bandwidth or was it the systems that you were using? It was a, a mixture of hardware and bandwidth. Uh, Kev, do you want to say a little bit about your experience in yeah, Cardiff? Yeah, I, I, I think, um, it, yeah, it was a mixture of technology. I think, as you said, Nick, the, the audio was particularly difficult to master because you were trying to cater for the in-person audience. Um, I didn't have a wireless mic. We were doing it on the cheap. Um, I carried my my son's mini guitar amp out on the train. So we were really doing the, the actual AV on the cheap. Um, I think um, you really we ne- really need to think about uh, professional AV setup and support as well. Um, it, it was just too difficult. You know, I've managed in-person events, big ones, the so Geo Cymru and so on, as, as Nick said, hundreds of people. And I've managed uh, 200 people online on, a, on an event. But there was hybrid presented new challenges um, because the... The, the the in-person audience were blissfully unaware of what was going on with the tech because <laughs> they were loving it. They were loving it. And the streamed in um, uh, speakers, the, in, the international speakers, that was superb. That that was really, really good. Um, but trying to manage the streaming and introduce people and do this and that. We had three people on that, me and two others actually trying to do it and, and that was it was difficult i gotta say it was a real challenge uh but all in all the event was superb um and um 
I don't think we had one really successful record and we should re-record afterwards, um, which is a shame. Uh, and simple things I hadn't thought about, like getting a wireless mic around to people in the audience for questions, you know, and think, think about that. I had a wired mic. It was that, all that, you know, and I, I agree with Nick that you need a, a professional um, support uh, for AV. Yeah, definitely. So, I think, I think the I venues... Say, sorry. I was going to say um, that at some of the past Phosphogees, there was a team in Germany that just provided AV support to open conferences. I mean, yep. they're all geeks and they just did this and you paid their expenses um, and they came and they set up and they recorded and they streamed and they did all of this stuff. Um, and maybe what we need to do is find some people in the UK and... You know, maybe invest a little bit in getting some kit for them. You know, maybe there are people in the community who would do this so that we have at least one qual competent person focused on that at each of the venues. And having maybe five or six venues might make it a little bit easier to get that for the next year. Go on, Nick. You were going to say something to me. Yeah, so the, the other venues... Um... Cardiff probably had the most problems with tech, unfortunately. Um, I, I think um, Bristol and one of the others, it, it all worked quite well and they had quite good AV support. Um, and the others were kind of more or less in between. You know, at Southampton, it worked reasonably well, but we struggled with questions from the audience because we didn't have a wireless mic. So how do you get the question from the audience that the, obviously the presenter can hear, but also the online audience can hear as well? Um, but yeah, and at the, the Phosphagy in Florence, they had a dedicated AV team as well. So each room had a, a, a person sat at the sound desk dealing with the microphones, the speakers in the room and the online feed as well. And that, that worked really well. I think they came with the, the venue. But yeah, I think the idea of we can supply some kit and get some people interested and involved in doing this would be amazing. Right. The other lesson I learned as well, Steve, was that don't use a, a works laptop. I had security <laughs> restrictions. Even though I'd practiced the night before in the venue, I had some security restrictions on pushing to um, YouTube. Um, so I would use my private kit from now on uh, right. and not, not use any work kit, you know. So good advice, Kev. Um, so looking at this and comparing it to um in-person events um we've talked about the challenges what was easier so i think we kind of touched a bit on it already but i think the 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 biggest advantage was getting uh, more people involved uh being able to get more people along to the event um and the other big one I would say was we managed to have some quite big names as our keynote presentations um, and they were able to contribute without having to travel to the UK because none of them were based in the UK and also to contribute to nine separate venues across the country. Mm. And that sort of unified it a bit didn't it? Yeah and that that was the intention to kind of because we, we started with two keynote presentations and then ended with a keynote presentation as well so it was designed to bring the whole day together. 
I think the presence of the international keynote speakers raised the profile of the event and, and increased the interest and attendance. There's no doubt about that, because I was told this um, when they seen people like Anita and um, Regina, uh, Regina uh, talking. Um, they, that that brought them to the event, you know. Um, so certainly something we should encourage uh, for future events, I think. Yeah, I think that was a great move. Yeah. And I, I actually... I thought it was a very smart move um, to get speakers from overseas. Um, it's not as if we haven't got some some great speakers in the UK community, but um, you get to see them more often if you're on the conference circuit, whereas you don't get to see somebody like Tim Sutton talking from South Africa, you know, and that's fantastic, you know, and he's one of the sort of, well, he was QG's chair for a while, wasn't he? Tim, yeah, exactly. You know, I mean, in our community, that's quite a prestigious role to have held. So uh, well done for that. Um, so would you do this again? Yes, in, in a word. <laughs> Good. We, as a part of our... I'm glad feedback, you said that. <laughs> as, as a part of the, the feedback we got everyone to fill in, we said would you come to this sort of uh, event again? Uh, and 90% of people said yes. Uh, and the format worked well as well. And we had 57% uh, of people said they loved the format and they would do exactly the same thing again. So, you know, we've got a few chip tweaks that we, we talked a bit about, but, you know, we're, we're definitely planning on doing another one uh, next year, hopefully. Oh, great, great. Please make certain that you let me know in advance so that I'm not out of the country in a different time zone. <laughs> yeah, we we will be posting on the OSGO UK mailing list uh, when we're going to have a, a discussion. So if people want to volunteer to help out, please join the mailing list. Details will be in the show notes at the bottom and uh, come along to the meeting and then we can work out when we want to be and what we want to do and all that kind of stuff. Okay, great. Um, so what else have OSGO UK got planned for 23? So the, the other kind of big thing coming up is our funding of open source geospatial projects. So at our AGM in 2022, we've uh, allocated about £4,000 worth of funding to a, a number of different open source geospatial projects. And we tried to focus on the, the smaller ones that might not get large amounts of money um, and we, we funded Regina o, we do a patronship of her for her work with PostGIS uh, we're a sustaining member of QGIS and we supported Lutra's uh, development of some cloud pro processing in QGIS uh, James Milner's development of TerraDraw and some work from Niall Dawson on QGIS HTML formatting and we want to make this a regular thing you know this is the first time we kind of formalized it but at every AGM I want to have a bit of discussion about money and allocate some money to some great open source projects you know we're obviously UK focused so if there's something UK specific that isn't picked up elsewhere or if you've got a, a great project then please do keep an eye out for the, the call for submissions and Given the, the surplus we've got from the conference, we'll probably aim to do another £4,000 or so next year as well. So uh, that's, that's fantastic. other thing coming up. Um, and that actually makes the surplus, and I'm glad you used the word surplus, not profit, um, the surplus from the conference. You know, I mean, when you make your donation or when the sponsors make their, their sponsorship, it's 
anything that's left over is going into open source projects. And, um, and I so, so massively support the idea of supporting small projects. You know, the idea of a bit of funding to James for TerraDraw, you know, which is a great project that he's been doing in his spare time and to help him to do that. And uh, it's fantastic. Um, so well done to you. Kev, you... Yeah, just to add what's happening in Wales as well. I work for Welsh Government. who have We have plans to uh, contribute uh, improvements to some of the open geospatial stack. We were working with Geosolutions on improving, and, ma- and we were. I've talked to Nick about match funding, some development around GeoServer, Log4j vulnerabilities. Uh, as part of government, we need to make sure that this software is highly secure. We built a whole platform on it, but our policy in Welsh government is to support open source and to contribute back, and I think that's really important for us. Uh, and, and, you know, the, my final thing I'd say in uh, Phosphor-G, don't forget the O in Phosphor-G, which means open. It's not just about open software, it's about open data, open education, open science, open standards. And we share that as well. And it's really important, I think, to encourage everyone to share uh, what they've, the work that they've done, doesn't matter what, what, how big it is, how, uh, how small it is, um, to share as much as you can. And I think that's uh, what I take out of it at the end of the day. Nick, I think you wanted... Yeah, you've got some objectives for OSGO <laughs> as well as some plans, I think. Yeah. So the the other thing that we're going to try and look at over the next year is the issue of diversity within OSGO UK. You know, and this is a a, a problem across the board in open source in geospatial and you know uh, we're a lot of white men it has to be said and we need to increase this diversity and we've had a few suggestions uh, from a couple of the participants of the conference uh, to try and address that and we're open to to more suggestions as well so if if you're interested in getting involved or want to contribute please do reach out and keep an eye out on the the mailing list for some of the things that we're looking to do in the future so yeah you're absolutely right i think it's an issue in tech um it's not an issue in geospatial in fact um i think some people without evidence i have to say would claim that diversity in the geospatial community is perhaps a fraction better than in the broader tech community. You know, their experience of going to a Python conference or something like that has suggested that certainly around gender, um, geospatial is a fraction better. But there's a lot to do. Um, I do think um, we we beat ourselves up about this um, and that doesn't solve the problem. Um, and I remember listening to Maria Arias de la Arena talking about diversity at a phosphagy a few years back. And she talked about schools and toys and children, right? Not about the communities. You know, if you don't go into the maths or the engineering or the science subject at school, then there's a fair chance that you won't end up in the hardcore tech side of the tech business. You know, you might end up in the commercial side, but you won't end up in the the coding side and that's, you know. 
Um, and I think, you know, that was a really strong point. And we, so, you know, when, when we talk about what can we do about promoting diversity, um, yeah, by the time we're, we're 20 or 30 or 40, or in my case, 60, a lot more than that. <laughs> um, yeah, I wasn't going to count all the way. You know, I, we'd run out of podcast time. Um, I think we've left it too late. Um, but yeah, I do, I do absolutely support you in that initiative. So um, lots of good things happening. If you're listening and you're in the UK, you really ought to be on the OSGO UK mailing list. Um, there's no membership. There's no subscriptions. It's dead easy. Just sign up to the mailing list. It'll be in the show notes um, and get involved. You, you know, go to a meeting. Um, one thing I would say that we could consider, um, and I say we as a sort of retired member, um, is to try and do more small local things with very limited organisation, like just saying we're going to have a a geeks meet up in this pub from six till nine, right? Just come along, have a drink and meet a few other people. No talks, you know, we'll sit around a table and we'll chat about something, you know, no organisation, just getting people together to, to build the community. And that might be something that we could consider in the coming year as well. With COVID being less of a barrier to meeting up, we ought to get people face-to-face more often than once a year, in my opinion. So we could go on talking about open source and open data and everything else, but uh, time is running out. It's been fantastic talking to both of you, and both of you and the rest of the organising team, on behalf of all the people who are there and the people who weren't there but who are watching the videos... Thank you, Nick. Thank you, Kev. Thank you to all the rest. Um, Where are the videos? So the videos are all on YouTube and there's the website. So the Phosphagy UK local 2022 website is in the show notes and all the links to the videos are from there. So you can see the whole agenda and see all of the recordings. Right. And I know we don't advertise on this podcast, but... um, I think somebody's got a book coming out, haven't they? Or has it come out? I'm not sure. Yeah, so that, that's me. So uh, it's a book uh, using R as a GIS. And so a free chapter is now available um, from Locate Press, who were in fact one of our sponsors for the conference as well. Right. And the, the full book will be out uh, quarter one, 2023. So but it depends right. a bit how long it takes me to write it. <laughs> okay. Well, congratulations on becoming an author, Nick. Um, If you're listening, download the first chapter and get a taster. If you're me, you might have to find out what R is before you can actually start using it. But um, congratulations. And this book will cover that as well. So there's no previous knowledge required. First chapter, what is R? Okay. And it's not a pirate's programming language. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) It's not a pirate's programming language. I'm going to call it close so that I can go off and download the first chapter of your book, Nick. Nick, Kev, thank you very much for being on the podcast. It's been a pleasure talking to you and congratulations once again for your very successful Phosphagy. Thanks very much. Deal. Thanks. Bye.
Thanks for joining us today and listening to the GeoMob podcast. We hope you enjoyed the discussion. Please get in touch with us if you have any feedback or suggestions for topics we should cover. You can get the show notes over on the website, which is at thegeomob.com. While you're there, you can sign up for our monthly mailing list where we keep you informed about upcoming events. You can, of course, also follow us on Twitter where our handle is geomob. Thanks for listening and hope to see you at a GeoMob event soon. Mm-hmm.